The Veritas Radio Network is guaranteed the right to offend, annoy, agitate, shout heresy, and entertain. You should start programming right now. Kind of like the cultural sewage served up on Bravo or CMT, only it's on 24 hours a day. Except Sundays. When the truth gets you angry and you throw your smartphone, remember, no one is forcing you to listen to the truth on the Veritas Radio Network. You can't handle the truth! You're doing that of your own free will. That's what makes this country great, and any gay marriage pointless. That's offensive! So there isn't much you can do about it, Chowderhead. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Grab a book, take a vow, and conform your mind to reality. Reality. Otherwise, you're just another Judas-inspired Karl Marx wannabe. And your children will steal your credit card number to buy tickets to the Miley Cyrus Twerkers Ball. I came in like a Are you ready? Let's get it on. On the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. And uh, welcome to the Philosophia Perennis de Homine, live classroom and chat room here on the Crusade Channel, King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. We will be covering Brother Francis Malouf's lecture number eight in his 31-part lecture series on de Homine, obviously part of St. Fr- uh, Thomas Aquinas's magnum opus, the Summa Theologica. And uh, as always, you can join the chat. It's easy to do. Just go to my website at mikechurch.com. And if you don't see the Dahomene homepage on the front page of the website, then it's under the menu under latest uh, under the latest tab. You'll see Philosophia Prodenis. Click that. That will take you down to the Dahomene homepage. And if you go to the Dahomene homepage, there on that page, you will see the chat room where their chat is going on. I am, of course, joined tonight by the one and only Brother Andre Marie of the St. Benedict Center and the Slaves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary from Richmond, New Hampshire. And, Brother, it's been uh, two weeks. I had a little uh, event to get to last week, but uh, we're glad to be back and glad to be with you. Happy and blessed to be with you tonight. How are you? Yeah, thanks, Mike. I'm, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad uh, my audio settings are all correct now sorry about that <laughs> uh 
Um, okay, so tonight we, we're talking, uh, continuing to speak about habits, and tonight's rather a rather a full lesson. He, brother, brother said an awful lot tonight, so we kind of have to plow right in. Um, he begins by talking about the the twofold way that uh, habits are are uh, I almost said acquired, but twofold the twofold way that we get habits, that we obtain habits. In the natural order, um, we only get habits by repeated acts, and, and hence they are they are referred to as acquired habits. And this is habits in the most um, strict literal sense of habit, something that's 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 uh, acquired by repeated acts. But um, since the dawn of Revelation, or at least since the dawn of the Revelation of the New Testament, we have. Um, another way of uh, getting habits, and that is not acquired habits, but infused habits. So, brother makes um, uh, makes that point at the very beginning. Um, even though when we have acquired, when we when we have infused supernatural habits, such as faith, hope, and charity, uh, they can be increased in us by repeated acts. So, in a certain sense. Although we cannot get those habits of faith, hope, and charity, but by infusion, in the first instance, we cannot, we cannot quote, acquire them. It's impossible. Right. But once they are infused, they can be increased in us by repeated acts. So on that front, they, they do have a resemblance to the, to the acquired virtues, okay? Um, the theological virtues, uh, Brother Francis referred to them as divine habits, and he speaks very eloquently about what, what that means. Um, uh, habits are something that fit into uh, Aristotle's category of quality. So a habit is a certain quality of soul. And um, just a reminder that according to Aristotle, there are 10 categories. Everything that is fits into these 10 categories. And there, are, there is one category of substance, and everything else is a category of accident. So the first two are quality and, quality and quantity. Okay, so all of those things, uh, once, once you're talking about a substance, like, say, a rational substance, like a person, like, say, um, um, Mike Church, okay, right, just right. To take a random person here, um, <laughs> all of the change that you undergo on a daily basis, it's all accidental change. You might change in quality, you might change in quantity, you might change um, in action, passion, relation, time, space, okay, all of these things are categories of accident, um, and, but, but your substance remains the same all throughout, okay? So you, we, we all experience accidental change. And one of the ways that we can change even a quality of our souls, and yes, our souls can change, uh, is by acquiring new habits, because a habit is a, uh, a, a quality of soul. It fits into the category of quality. So um, that's, that's important to know. You're not changing yourself substantially. You're simply changing yourself accidentally. Uh, 
Now, brother, contrasts powers and habits. And he makes the point that when we talk about um, animals, we can talk about the animal's uh, nature, the essence, what, it, what, it, what, what is it that they do and what can be done to their essence. That, that's, there we're talking about their essence, a very fundamental question. You know, what is dog nature? What is cat nature? We can also talk about their powers. What is it that they can do or what can be done to them? Then we also can talk about their, uh, their acts. You know, what, they're capable of jumping or running, or and they're capable of a certain amount of cognition at a merely animal uh, level. Right. They, because they have the power of instinct, they can have certain knowledge. Of course, their external faculties give them certain knowledge of things and so forth. We can talk about those three things when we talk about an animal. It's, it's, it's nature, it's powers, and remember, they have, they have 24 powers in common with us. All we have over them is intellect and will, which is a lot. <laughs> and then we can talk about their acts. But with human beings, okay, with rash, the rational animal known as a human being, mm -hmm. there's something else that fits in between powers and acts. And that something else is habits. And in order for us to, to acquire a habit, this is, the, uh, this is one of the ironies of the whole thing. Acts are something, uh, in a sense, less than habits. Acts are transient thing, things. They, 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 they come and go more quickly. A habit is a stable quality of soul. But we acquire the habit... It, it not, and obviously we're not talking about infused habits of faith, hope, and charity, but we acquire a habit by repeated acts. So there's a relation between acts and habits because it's repeated acts that are proper to that habit that help us to acquire it. Uh, on the other hand, there's a relation to that other thing that uh, acts that habits fits in between too. It, it's, it's a, I said habits fits in between acts and powers. So the the a habit is a perfection of the natural powers that we have. So uh, they they presuppose the powers, and every habit is going to perfect some particular power in us. Huh? Like for instance. Temperance, all the moral virtues perfect the will, obviously, but they also relate to other powers. For instance, temperance um, uh, perfects the uh, appetitive uh, powers that we refer to as the concupiscible appetites. Huh? Mm -hmm. Temperance, temperance perfects that by well, tempering it, reining it in, controlling it, disciplining it. And really, all habits uh, are a question, uh, especially when we're talking about acquired habits, are a question of, of discipline, of repeated acts, and oftentimes of doing acts contrary to, to what it is that we want, because just like the animals, our appetites are always directing us to, to, to satiate them. Huh? Our, our habits constantly want to be fulfilled. I mean, rather, not our habits, our, 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 um, our powers, like our, our, our senses constantly want to be fulfilled so your body's constantly telling you oh i'm hungry or i'm thirsty or i want this or i want that 
And if all you do is is give it every 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 if you satisfy every impulse, you you will become vicious. As Brother Francis said, you're going to acquire habits no matter what. Nobody goes through life acquiring no habits. You're going to you're going to acquire habits no matter what. And if you if you look at the soul as a garden, as many um, spiritual writers and philosophers over have looked at it, if you look at the soul as a garden, then the garden will either be um, it'll either be cultivated and it will have the nice fruit trees and, and produce that you'd like it to to uh, be producing, or it's going to have a bunch of weeds. It's going to have cockle in it. And it's going to be nasty. But something's going to grow there, and those things are going to be habits. They're going to be either good habits or rotten habits. You leave the garden alone, and it's going to grow stuff. <laughs> um, but but it takes discipline. It takes work, uh, application huh, to make the, the 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 good plants grow, and that's the virtues. That's the, those those are the virtues. So a virtue is a perfection of the power, and it comes about by repeated access of property to that virtue. Um, brother quotes from the Summa Tale. Oh, by the way, I should stick in the link to the um, notes, the Dropbox link. Yes, if you have notes, uh, please put them in there because uh, people are collecting them. Yes, I do. I have notes. Um, hmm, okay, I have notes for tonight's tonight's lecture, and I'm popping them up as we speak. There you go. In the chat room. So that's uh, those are the notes for lecture eight, which we're covering tonight. And if you if you go to that, if you open up that file, uh, you'll see that there's a quote that Brother Francis gave in the um, in the from the Summa, and uh, he gives it in Latin, and then it's translated into English there. Undi ex multiplicatis activus generator. Quedam qualitas in potentia passiva et mota, quae nominatur habitus. Wherefore, if the acts be multiplied, a certain quality is formed in the power, which is passive and moved, which quality is called a habit. So, St. Thomas is asking, asking the question, asking and answering the question, um, whether any habit is caused by acts, and he's and and he starts off in typical uh, in the typical fashion of the Summa. He starts off by saying it would seem that no habit is caused by acts, for habit is a quality, as we have said above. Now every quality is caused in a subject according to the latter's receptivity, uh, and then he goes on. I mean, this is kind of complicated language. Since the, since then the agent, in as much as it acts does not receive, but rather gives, it seems impossible for a habit to be caused in an agent by its own acts. So he, goes, he gives three objections, three reasons why it's impossible that habits are caused by acts. Uh, and the fact is that a habit is something that's more noble than the act. It's sort of higher ontologically in, in our human makeup. And that's one, it's one of the objections that he gives. Uh, a, a habit is more noble than the act which precedes the habit. So he's giving that as a reason. But then he gives the, the said contra. On the contrary, and he quotes from the philosopher. Now we know that the philosopher in the language of St. Thomas is, is Aristotle. The philosopher teaches that habits of virtue and vice 
are caused by acts. And then he goes on a, a rather packed uh, paragraph explaining why this is so. And sort of at the, at the um, apex of that argument is this passage. Wherefore, if the acts be multiplied, a certain quality is formed in the power, which is passive and moved, which quality is caused a habit. So he talks about how, remember, brother, brother, um, in this lecture, he talks about God being the unmoved mover, right? right? We know that. We know we, this is one of the proofs for the existence of God. Uh, everything, you know, we see that the entire universe is in motion. And we know that, you know, like the wind blew and that wind put that tree in motion, that tree moved and it knocked a twig down and that twig fell on the ground and hit something else. You know, we see this motion. Well, if you go back, so, something caused that wind to move, whether it was something in the ocean or temperature changes or something atmospheric or whatever. And something caused that and something caused that and something caused that. And St. Thomas argues that you cannot have an infinite regress. This is contrary to reason. There must be some mover which is unmoved, and that we call God. God is the unmoved mover. And then, he, and then Brother Francis said, very comically, he said, we're moved movers. We're movers, too. We can put things in motion, but we're moved movers. <laughs> and the powers of our soul can be moved as well. And what St. Thomas is arguing, uh, using this kind of reasoning, he's saying that the, the acts themselves move the powers. Even though, even though it, it, this is going to be kind of ironic, even though the, for us to perform an act, it has to start in us. By repeated good acts, the self power in such a way that it cultivates a habit. So this is what, what St. Thomas is talking about. If the acts be multiplied, a certain quality is formed in the power. So whether that power is the will, whether it's the intellect, because remember, there are habits of the intellect as well. Right. Whether it's a whether it's, and, and, and keep in mind, habits, we don't, we don't have to speak in terms of virtues to be talking about habits. Um, you know, so you might decide you want to take up uh, playing the, the, the clarinet, okay? And you're going to be learning the rudiments of how to hold the thing and, and how to how to put your mouth, how to place your tooth and your teeth and uh, on the mouthpiece and your bottom lip under the reed and all that stuff. And you're going to learn the fingerings and all that. Well, it's not a habit yet. It's right now. It's just agony. Uh, if you've ever heard a beginning beginning clarinet player, you'll know what I mean. Um, it's agony for everybody considered. But when you learn the rudiments and you start playing your scales and your arpeggios and you learn the right fingerings and all that business, you're building habits. And, and uh, you know, it's practice, practice, practice. This is, we get, this is how we learn skills. And what's, said of the, what's, what's true of the habits that we call skills, whereby we learn how to say play music or dance or apply ourselves to any of the arts the art crafts and even professions uh, require certain habits, huh? certain skills. The Greeks, by the way, had a word, techne, T-E-C-H-N-E, and we get the word uh, technical from it and technique from it. Uh, techne, for the Greeks, it's sometimes translated skill, 
but it, it applied to the arts too and the art crafts. So it, they, the, their word techne had a very broad application from anything from uh, anything that required some skill or art. Uh, so those things are all a question of training our powers by repeated acts to cultivate habits, to cultivate those skills that are necessary, those techniques that are necessary in order to perform that, that particular thing excellently. Now, virtue perfects the soul uh, morally, okay? So the moral virtues especially, and even prudence, which is an intellectual virtue, it perfects us morally in the sense that it directs our, our moral activity by right reasoning. It, it gives us the right reasons to act morally. That's, a, that's kind of the job of prudence. Remember, I called prudence the traffic cop of the virtues. Uh, so when we, when we do these repeated acts, then we cultivate the habits. This is very, very important um, for St. Thomas. And it's also extremely important for all, all people who write about living the, the moral life and consequently living, living the interior life or the spiritual life. It's absolutely necessary to learn how to, how to cultivate these habits. How do we cultivate habits of prayer? Or how do we cultivate habits of chastity? Huh? How do we cultivate habits of uh, ju justice, being just by our neighbor? These are habits, these are all qualities of soul done by repeated acts, and any contrary act is going to derogate from that habit. It's going to dent it. It's going to mess it up, either in whole or in part, and we have to recultivate the habit again by repeated acts. And by the way, this is a slightly more advanced uh, knowledge on the subject, but in order to increase the habit in you, mm -hmm. what you have to do is perform not only repeated acts of that habit, say, that are of the same level of easiness, but to perform repeated acts of that habit that are more difficult. That's where the habit becomes perfected and augmented. And virtue... Virtue is a thing that admits of perfection, of degrees. It sounds like bodybuilding, brother. It is. It's, 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 it's more like soul building, but it's, uh, it's uh, you know, <laughs> you might call it spiritual bodybuilding. Uh, but this is, uh, you know, there's an old tradition in the church dating back to the Desert Fathers to refer to the, uh, to, to the ascetics, to, the, to, to holy people as the athletes of God. And there's no, there's a reason for that. <laughs> Tain't easy. And, and when I say uh, bodybuilding, you know, one of the principles of bodybuilding is how you get so big and bulked up is that you have to do the exercises that strain the muscles. And you can't, you wouldn't be able to see it with the naked eye, but there are micro tears the, the, in the muscle every time that, uh, that you do the exercise. That's why you have to have rotations of days like, Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays, you do your arms, and Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, you do your legs. It's to give your, your body a chance. You, know, you, you consume a lot of protein um, uh, to heal those, uh, to heal those micro tears. And uh, if you repeat this over and over and over again, what you're doing is those micro tears are now forming uh, new muscle, and in some instances, scar tissue. Um, uh, and that's how you get the bulk. So it sounds like that uh, through the process of making 
the the habit more difficult kind of like raising a, so you, you begin your uh, your habit building with a, with a if you're in the habit olympics the spirit habit olympics right brother you'd start with a degree yeah. of difficulty degree of difficulty number Three, and now Brother Andre approaches the diving board. Uh, degree of difficulty number three. And then you work your way up, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like the 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 the, the guys that do, uh, lift the heavy weights, you know. So you're adding more weight onto the bar, and when you do that, you're building up. Your it's a great analogy. A great analogy. The more the more you're adding, the more difficult the act is the more deeply eradicated in the soul, that is to say, the more deeply rooted in the soul becomes the virtue, and the virtue itself um, is, is increased. And, um, you know, you see it in the lives of the saints, you see it in the lives of holy people, devout, devout people, they're tested, you know, they're put through the mill. And um, all of this is God's providential way of, of um, perfecting us by giving us an opportunity to practice the Christian virtues. And even when you talk about the natural virtues, uh, the same rules apply as far as um, increasing the virtue by repeated act. I mean, for instance, you're not chased. I mean, okay, so somebody might be chased because he's never, you know, it might be argued that a man is chased because he's never, say, cheated on his wife, right? Okay, right. But if he and his wife live on a desert island... He has no television, no internet, no, no, he's never seen another woman before. Um, he hasn't exactly had his fidelity to his wife tested, has he? No. <laughs> um, but if he ends up living in the middle of, you know, uh, uh, the, the, anywhere a, a USA, modern, a modern city, having to work <laughs> in a modern workplace, right. um, having to have a desk job where he's on the internet, where he's being assailed by indecency constantly even even when he's seemingly looking at something innocent he's got ads popping up and this and that now he has occasions to 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 as it were practice huh the the uh the the virtue to actually perform the virtue and if the virtue is seriously tested well that's an opportunity for him seriously to acquire a, a deeper um, a deeper degree of the virtue. Now, of course, in that virtue, we don't that particular virtue is unique, as the saints tell us. Uh, he, uh, the one who wins this battle is the, is the coward, <laughs> because uh, the prudent thing here prudence directs us to run away from those occasions. <laughs> On the other hand, if we are met with an occasion, if some foul seductress uh, tries to get her grubby mitts on on us. And we resist, then there is by 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 that very act, there is a more deeply uh, acquired virtue of of uh, chastity. Well, there's and um, yeah. So gonna... you, you can look at you look at the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, not Saint Joseph, but but Joseph, um, the the one the one who was sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt and and Putiphar's wife tried to seduce him. Uh, Joseph is praised for his chastity because he didn't commit adultery with Putiphar's wife. Even though Pharaoh, he, she tells Pharaoh that he does. Yeah, because she was she was a liar. Right. Um, and I mean the poor the poor thing. You kind of feel sorry for her. Her husband was a eunuch, which is one of the one of the things that makes the story kind of bizarre. 
but she nonetheless had no excuse to 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 commit adultery or to even to to attempt to commit adultery uh, with Joseph, and he suffered as a consequence of his of his chastity. So he was a he he had this virtue put to its test, and it was tried, and it was it, it was it was he was perfected. He had a he had a more perfect version of of the virtue at the end of the day. Uh, this, this, but this is the case with every virtue. Right. We don't go running around looking. Obviously, in that particular virtue, we don't go running around looking for opportunities to acquire it. You know, don't go running into a brothel to see if you can, you know, in- increase your chastity. <laughs> but, but uh, well, that wouldn't be prudent, though, to go no, run into no, a brothel. Now, now, if you say Louis de Montfort, he he could walk into a brothel, kneel down in the middle of the, uh, of the floor, and start praying the sorrowful mysteries of the Rosary, and he would end up converting the the women that were there. But he had a special grace to do this, and this is not something that, um, you know, uh, he, and he probably would have told most people not to do that. Right. And, and um, so, th- th- but all of the virtues need to be tested in order to be real. All of them need to be um, uh, practiced, and all of them need to be, again, you got to put on the heavier and heavier weights to try. And some and, people gripe and say, oh, it's hard, you know. Well, of course it's hard. That's why you have the virtue of fortitude. Don't be a wuss. Don't be a wimp. God, God uh, is there to help, but the virtue of fortitude is there, St. Thomas says, because in the acquiring of every virtue, there is something of the, of the character of, of it being arduous and difficult. And fortitude is the virtue that's there to help us overcome the arduous and difficult. And you got to remember so, that, folks, uh, because... Uh, the trial and tribulation will come, uh, especially uh, as you try to add to your repertoire of uh, which virtue you're going to work on. This is the Dahomene live classroom and chat room on the Crusade channel. King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. Brother Andre Marie is here with us every Wednesday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. Central at 78 uh, on the East Coast. If you missed any of the previous seven uh, live classroom and chat rooms, you can find all of them on my website. You won't find them at crusadechannel.com. We started this at mikechurch.com, and there it remains. But you will find all of the Dahomenes at mikechurch.com under the menu category, Catholicism, and then the submenu is Philosophia Padenis. There is also a podcast that updates itself as soon as we add file number eight tomorrow to the uh, podcast feed, uh, it'll update uh, yours as well. And so if you miss any episodes, you can always go back and listen to them and uh, get them. And all of this service is uh, is performed for free. And I invite you to go, and uh, if you're listening to this and you don't have the Dahomene series, you can get it at Catholicism.org. That's Catholicism.org. That's Brother's uh, website. Uh, well, it's a website for the St. Benedict Center. And that's where you'll find... All of Brother Francis's lecture series, and uh, they are all available as well with a uh, Mike Church Show Crusade Channel discount if you tell Brother that that's where you came from and then you're shopping there. Uh, when this show is concluded this evening, when this class is concluded tonight, we will have episode number, let's see if I get it right, Brother, because I was out for a week and I lost my count. Is it 68 of Reconquest? Oh, it's 70. You see, not only did I miss it, but I was too off. Now, what is on episode, the epic episode, marking seven decades? That's a lot of episodes, brother. What's on episode 70? 
Um, it's called Fighting the Revolution. Um, and and I, I guess I deliberately gave it an ambiguous name. It, it, I'm not saying whether we're fighting for it or against it. I was going to say. But um, <laughs> obviously we're fighting, we're fighting against it. So, yeah, it's called. And, and I don't have a guest. It's just it's all me by my lonesome. I'm sort of alternating guest and no guest now, I guess. I got into that. I got into that habit. Uh, brother, I wanted to ask you if you knew that uh, one of your interviewees, Sam Guzman, that he moved uh, either near or on uh, the Clear Creek Abbey Monastery compound in uh, Clear Creek, Oklahoma. Yeah, well, he I mean, he has his own property in the I guess in the general area, general near area. the monastery. Okay. Yeah, oh, definitely. I talked to him at last time I talked. I interviewed him. He had already made that move. Yeah, um, uh, that place is, well, look, St. Benedict Center is, is beautiful. Uh, if you can stomach a winter in New Hampshire, uh, Richmond, New Hampshire is just a <laughs> wonderful place to be. I bet the summers are, uh, are I, I, I actually spent a little bit of a summer in New Hampshire. So it's it's not like what, what, what Mark Twain said about summers in San Francisco, right? Coldest winter I ever spent was, was a summer in San Francisco. Yeah, no, no, it's not. It actually gets kind of warm here. Uh, no, uh, uh, brother, we're about halfway through. I think we have about 20 minutes left on lecture number eight. And uh, I was going to drop in uh, a couple of things. One that I think, brother, you you used a clarinet, but brother, I think you used a violin. And he said, well, if you're, if you're perfecting playing the violin, your neighbor may not like your habit, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a trial for everyone all around. And there's a trial it, it really for is. But, but this, you know, and, and when somebody's trying to acquire virtue, it, there's a similar thing. You know, he's he's going to be falling on his face. He's going to be making mistakes. This is uh, this is why we should be here to help each other instead of making fun, each, making fun of each other, you know, on the path of virtue. Um, so, look, why don't we move on with... Uh, um, Brother Star spoke a bit about the difference between doing and making. Yes, I like this part. And um, and, and every every human act has an aspect of each. The 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 making part is the art. This is what's productive. This is what's external to us. The doing part is is rather what's internal. The doing part is 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 what improves us along the way uh, making is in a sense servile because we're, we're performing a service for somebody else uh, but the doing part is perfective of us so this is where B brother talks about the, that those three there's a there's a there's a trio prudence is rectoratio. so rectoratio is is right reason right reason Prudence is rectoratio agibilium. It's right reason as applied to what a man does. Um, art, in Latin it's ars. Ars est is rectoratio factibilium. Art is right reason when it comes to making things. Okay. And then, he, brother didn't put it here, but scientia is uh, rectoratio cognoscibilium. It's, it's right reason... Uh, in knowing things, okay. These are this is a, 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 a trinity of values that Brother Francis frequently speaks of, um, and prudence. Remember, is as I said, the traffic count of the virtues. 
it's right reason as it comes to doing things. Prudence operates in our practical intellect, meaning having gained speculative knowledge of truth, prudence is taking that truth and applying it to concrete instances. And, and, and uh, it's discerning what is the most appropriate way to act in these concrete instances. Prudence requires requires reflection, it requires discernment, and it also require, requires the use of the memory. And it requires, uh, and, and eventually, okay, so it, as, as applies to the past, prudence uses the memory. As applies to the present, prudence requires discernment. As applies, applies to the future, prudence commands acts to be done. That's how it works. So uh, without that virtue of prudence, we absolutely do not have um, uh, any virtues. Okay, so um, moving right along. Um, man can never prescind from the moral aspect of what he's doing. So when we talk about skills, when we talk about arts, we talk about any of those things. We can't prescind, we can't abstract, you know, or distance ourselves in any way from the moral aspect of that thing. Before man is specialized to be a servant, he must be treated as a value in himself. Um, so uh, one can do any, any, um, any lawful uh, profession or, or uh, mode of life, uh, any way that you can earn your bread, honestly, um, is acceptable. Uh, and you can perfect yourself at it. So as you apply that art or that skill or that profession, there's always going to be, though, a moral aspect to it. So as long as it's not an immoral art, let's say you're a, a crook or you know, a thief or, or, a, or a, uh, a hitman, okay? Um, but as long as, you can, as long as you're doing something which is itself not intrinsically evil, there's going to be an aspect of doing that can always perfect you. So the making, that's the professional part. That's the art. That's the skill. But the doing, that's the part that perfects you. And that's the part where you actually have uh, virtue and not just uh, skill. Okay, I, I hope that's clear. Because um, brother, brother made that a big, a big deal in tonight's lecture. Um, the first distinction of art. And the perfection of man in himself is not just moral, but it's good in the ontological sense. A man whose faculties are functioning at their best, um, at their best, he reads well, he speaks well, and he can write and express himself well. And what is Brother talking about when he's speaking of speaking well, uh, re reading well, speaking well, and um, writing well? Uh, he's talking about the trivium. He's, he, he, uh, the trivium is those three fundamental um, liberal arts, grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Grammar is the, is the art of writing well. Logic is the art, well, logic is really first. Logic is the art of thinking well. Grammar is the art of writing well. And rhetoric is the art of speaking well with the specific purpose of, of, of convincing others. So these are the things that perfect us as, as men, they're, as free men. That's why they're called liberal arts, free there. Um, virtues of the body. Brother talks about virtues of the body. Graceful manners, modest demeanor, healthful disposition. 
these are not really virtues in the strict sense. These you really, really might call them dispositions, but they can certainly help uh, in the acquiring of real virtue. For instance, good manners. You don't speak of manners themselves as being virtues, They're, but they dispose us to acquire virtue. This is a sort of a law of the life of virtue. Ma uh, manners guard our virtues. Manners at the table, you know, how to, how to hold your fork, how to hold your knife, all that stuff. I'm not saying we have to all go to, to Miss Manners class to be schooled in this stuff, but... What's the value of these things? Aside from the fact that you don't look like a slob in front of other people, which is yeah. always a plus, the advantage of acquiring these kinds of good habits, good manners, is that in the instance of, of say, eating and drinking, it safeguards um, the virtue of temperance, right? So when you know properly how to use your fork and your knife and, and your uh, any other cutlery that's on the table, and you know not to guzzle your your whatever's in your goblet uh, at the meal, and and violate all social protocols. That in itself helps you to acquire the virtue of of temperance. And so too with all other kinds of manners, ma manners that guard modesty, because modesty is the guardian of chastity huh right so manners tend to guard all of the virtues and today of course we live in a very very immoral age right we also live in a fairly ill-mannered age boy howdy and yeah and and television and uh, uh, uh movies and entertainments kind of glorify um you know barnyard animals and we tend to laugh and chortle at uh, at, at people at making pigs of themselves and this isn't good, and, and, you know, and it's especially associated with young men. Unfortunately, when we when we teach our young men to laugh at bad manners uh, and to practice bad manners, we're also teaching them a certain lack of control over their bodies. And this doesn't bode well for how they're going to practice the virtue of temperance. This doesn't bode well for how they're going to practice the virtue of chastity. It doesn't bode well for how they practice the virtue of charity towards others uh, when they have to be considerate of other people. If you can't be considerate of, of another person when it comes to rating your, uh, your lower appetites and your bodily sounds and so all those things that we associate with manner, if you can't have the consideration that comes from practicing that modicum of virtue, What's going to happen when you when you really are put in, in a major occasion of some horrible violation of, of a virtue? And this is what we mean. We say that uh, that men are custodians of the virtues, and the virtues, of course, are the custodians of the interior life of the soul. Um, all right. So um, the virtues of the soul. Now, of course, these are the real things that we that we mean but brother goes into a, a long thing about the liberal arts which we don't have time for but they perfect the man ontologically not only do we have uh grammar logic and rhetoric which is the trivium but then we have the four more more scientific parts of the of the liberal arts and that is the quadrivium which is arithmetic geometry music and astronomy and brother spent some time speaking about how 
how it is that those particular seven were considered something that everybody should know something about in order to be uh, uh, an educated man or, or woman, of course. Um, these disciplines aren't virtues, though, strictly. They're, 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 they're arts. They are, they're called liberal arts. They are art. And as an art, it's also a, it's a habitual quality of soul. But it's not, not ratio agibilium. It's ratio factibilium. That's what an art is. We already spoke of this. Um, all right. So the um, I think, you know, we're, we're actually near the end of the notes, Mike. This is amazing. Yeah, we're uh, making there, really good all... time. No, we're making good time tonight. Um, uh, this is the Philosophia Potentis de Homine live classroom and chat room. You're hearing the voice of Brother Andre Marie. You can find him hiding in plain sight on the Internet if you have questions uh, that are more specific or can't get into the chat room. And he is uh, BAM, B-A-M, at Catholicism.org for email. He is Brother underscore Andre on the Twitter and Brother Andre Marie on uh, the Facebook. Um, brother, I was, uh, I think I, I, I cheated a bit, not cheated, but I went back to the Cosmology Lecture Series, and I'm listening to the final preview. I think there were four previews before he actually gets into Cosmology. And in uh, the final preview, he actually gets into uh, a, a little bit of this discussion here about the uh, quadrivium, the trivium and the quadrivium. And uh, he makes some, uh, it just reminded me, because because brother makes some, some um, uh, you would think they would be common sense points, but if you haven't heard it in a class like this, I, I bet they aren't common sense. <laughs> and it was the differences between someone, uh, uh, in between the fields of study and the sciences. Okay. Yeah, you know, you 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 that the biology is a uh, is a uh, is a field of study, but in studying biology, uh, you might become a phlebotomist or a phrenologist, which means you're studying blood, I believe. Um, even though that's biological, um, uh, it, it still counts towards the the field of study of biology. And he was making a point about it that was important. Um, I was listening to it, and uh, I wasn't really paying that rapt of an attention. I don't know was that. Talked about specializations. Specializations. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, that, that's what that was one of Brother Francis's big uh, bugbears is um, is in our in our extremely um, overly pragmatic culture, and he's constantly talking about how the Anglo-Saxon world um, is is uh, one of one of our chief sort of philosophical heresies is pragmatism, um, that we're constantly uh, looking at what's practical, and therefore our educational system has us attending to merely to the practical arts, and what's, what's speculative and what's philosophical and what's, what are intellectual, not only intellectual pursuits, but anything, anything that uh, speaks of the contemplative or anything that speaks of, of higher arts is somehow downgraded um, because, uh, after all, it's the practical stuff that's important. And this is kind of the, the, the philosophical bane of the Anglo-Saxon world that we Americans did very much inherit. Uh, so uh, the whole concept of recovering the, the liberal arts is that these are the things that uh, an educated man needs. Need, 
man needs to be an educated man, and I uh, protect him as a free man. He's able to think. He's able, his mind is free from the, 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 the tyranny of, of public opinion, from the tyranny of, of common opinion. And by the way, somebody who knows the liberal arts um, is very much not sucked up. You know, look at a guy like Anthony Esselin. I know you've interviewed uh, have, Dr. Esselin. This is a guy who's not going to be subject to the sound bites of the moment. But because of our stupid educational system, uh, thanks to Mr. Dewey and other people like that, because of our, of our messed up educational system, we're all, for the most part, um, subject to the soundbite. We're subject to the, the, the obsession of the moment. And it's not even, it's not even so, the moment is not even so big as the 24-hour news cycle. Now that we've got the internet, um, the news cycle happens in, in sort of micro cycles sure. all through the day. So people are totally subject to that, and they become slaves of opinion. And you, you know, you, you you become a slave of uh, your somebody else's Twitter feed or something like that. Well, brother, it's and, called the tyranny of the now. Yeah, it's the tyranny of the now, and it's the tyranny of uh, tyranny of mass opinion. And and you know, it, it's like uh, there was a guy that had this button when I was a kid. In school, no, I, was, I wasn't a kid; I was a teenager. This guy had a button that said, "Why be normal?" And it's funny because when I was a kid, I was looking at this thing. What a what a what a nerd, you know? Because I could picture a hundred guys dressed in the same stupid clothing with the same stupid button on, saying, "Why be normal?" And what they're doing is they're forcing themselves into a kind of a deliberately stupid normalcy instead of a more, say, respectable normalcy. Um, and this is what popular entertainments do, and you know all all the great Hollywood actors, and and you know we, we've got this this cult of of these these uh, Hollywood demigods and athletes and all, who are telling us how we have to think and act and um, playing into the to the popular bigotries. You know this is not how to think when you when you're grounded in these liberal arts, you have a certain liberty from that tyranny of of mass produced public opinion um and and therefore you become you really become a counter-revolutionary um although that's not the purpose that's not the first purpose of of uh of, of uh liberal arts the first purpose of a liberal arts education is to perfect you as yourself because you are not just a wage earner you're not just a producer in either a communist or socialist or capitalist society you're not just a producer or a consumer you're a value in yourself you're you're a, what, what philosophers call a bonum in estum, a, a, a good in yourself and that's what the liberal arts are made for and so too are virtue is virtue moral virtue is meant to perfect you in yourself not just as some cog in a, in a machine uh, of, of the gigantic modern state. Um, moving right along. Um, well, brother, you... Yeah, so I don't know that... Well, you, you've I don't got think the... we have time to develop the, the Grazum, Grazum, okay. Grazum, 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 which well, brother talks about at the end. Any questions? Well, I was going to, to interject on the subject of the, uh, uh, of the tyranny of the now... And uh, the tyranny of public uh, opinion, and <clears throat> trying to keep up with all that. That um, brother mentions astronomy. 
And he mentions astronomy from the point of view that why is astronomy, why is astronomy important? And I thought that his answer was not only edifying but charming as well. And that is, you study the stars so that you get the you get the idea, and if you study them long enough, you start to 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 take in the fact that the expanse that is the universe is so large, just the magnificence of it, that only, only a, a truly uh, omnipotent God could have brought this into existence, and it doesn't need any other purpose other than for you to sit there, stand there on a nice, clear, crisp New Hampshire night, or in my case, down a nice, clear, clear crisp Bayou night, and stare up at it and, and just wonder, and maybe even in awe and, and, and appreciation and thankfulness that, because, uh, you know, we learn in the book of Genesis that all these things were made for man. Um, and I, I thought he hit that point out of the park. Yep, yep. I mean, um, it's not as if, you know, men in the, in, in the ancient world, you know, it's, it's only with the discovery of the modern telescope and, and, and uh, um, satellites and all that and space exploration that we know how insignificant we are in the universe. Um, Brother Francis talks about, he used to quote Psalm 8, uh, Psalm 8, verse 5, King David says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? And he goes on and talks about how you set him over the works of your hands. King David was constantly marveling over the, the vast expanse of the ocean, and the, the, the immensity of the mountains and the, the hugeness of valleys. And I mean, there are all these things, even on this earth, forget space, there are all these things on our earth for us to get some sense of immensity. Right. And, and for some reason, King David wasn't cowed by all that into thinking that he's somehow inferior to brute creation. What, what, what he was, though, was humbled because he then goes on in the psalm to say, Thou hast made him little less than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the work of thy hands. Brother, So he we're going to have to wrap up there. Uh, this has been Philosophia Perennis, lecture number uh, Dahomene, lecture number eight. We'll see you next week. We'll post this on my website at mikechurch.com. Stay tuned for a brand new episode of Reconquest here on the Crusade Channel, King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. Mm -hmm.